we read from scripture tonight, and I'm using the Bible, one of the Bibles that's right back there on the table. So if for you don't have a Bible, or for any reason you would like a Bible, please help yourself to one of those Bibles in the back. I'm reading from Luke 8, 26 to 39. They sailed to the region of Gerasen, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly, not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasens asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Catherine. It's interesting that on a week we're talking about demons, which is kind of a dark topic, uh, that we're also emphasizing the Holy Spirit uh, and the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, because uh, he really is the one that, um, that pushes back uh, the evil one and his forces. So I'm grateful for the worship team leading us into focusing on the Holy Spirit this week. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you reveal spiritual truth to us, that you reveal, reveal spiritual reality, uh, because we can't see it with our own eyes, uh, with these, uh, these physical, uh, biological eyes. We can't see a greater truth. 
but your word helps us see it. And would you give us a greater understanding, a greater glimpse of spiritual reality tonight uh, through your word? Uh, Would your Holy Spirit move our hearts in Jesus' name? Amen. So this is an interesting topic, uh, talking about Satan and demons. And the last sermon we really had that focused on this topic, uh, Bernie gave this summer in our What We Believe sermon series. And honestly, I was a little bit jealous. I was kind of like, oh, I kind of wanted to preach on Satan. And Bernie, you did a great job. uh, But I don't know, you kind of think about that a little bit more. And you're like, well, why why would you want to preach on that? Maybe it's our, like, fascination. We sort of have a an interest in these dark topics because when you start to think on it, when you start to dwell on it, it's not, it's not like uplifting. <laughs> it can be a little dark. It can be a little uh, depressing. And that's why when we uh, come to a topic like this, we really do want the Holy Spirit to walk with us through it uh, so that our eyes are set on, on the right thing. And I don't want us to, to walk away from a sermon like this and just be like, oh, I'm so fascinated with demons now. <laughs> like, that would not be a good thing. We want to be focused on Christ and the Holy Spirit as we walk through this and away from it. But I did want to start off by sharing kind of some personal stories of uh, how I encountered this topic. Because we all come from different backgrounds, maybe a faith background, maybe not a faith background. I come from a very much a church, like Christian Sunday school background. And so really the first like that I can remember now, the first uh, lessons on demons and Satan came in Sunday school. Uh, and just like the most terrifying way imaginable, a felt board uh, with, uh, with, you had the felt Jesus, and then you had the felt Satan, who just looked like an angry man, uh, and he had wings, and then he would throw like fiery darts at Jesus that were like lust and greed and sin, but the, the fiery darts would not stick to Jesus, he's Jesus, uh, and then of course there was a felt heaven, a felt hell. Uh, so not super intimidating, I guess uh, an interesting way. Uh, to talk about this topic, the, the, really the first time that scared me, uh, and maybe you've had this experience, maybe this topic doesn't bother you at all, uh, but it was when I was about 11 or 12, and I was with my friend, I was with my friend Jordan, and we were just talking, as boys do, and somehow demons came up, and he said, oh yeah, I've seen a demon, and I was just like, what? Tell me more. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, I was asleep and I woke up and I looked over my bed and there was this demon in my bedroom on the ground and it was staring at my younger brother on the bottom bunk and it looked up at me and I said to it, in the name of Jesus, be gone and then it kind of threw up its arms and disappeared. Uh, and I guess he knew it was a demon because it was blacker than like the darkness in his room. Now, hearing this story as an 11-year-old, it was like really terrifying <laughs> And I, I went home that night and was convinced that I was going to see a demon. And I have been convinced for the last 20 years that I'm going to see a demon while I go to bed. And uh, it doesn't make for a restful night sleep. Uh, it didn't help that as I got older, like I read the Frank Peretti books. Has anyone here read the Frank Peretti books? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, but they're all about like spiritual warfare. He kind of f- fictionalizes You know, this battle between angels and demons. And it sure is entertaining, uh, but it's pretty dark. Uh, And that didn't help. 
And then when I was a little bit older, I tried to write a book like Frank Peretti, and that really didn't help. Uh, in fact, it got so bad, like I, would get, I was so sensitive to this topic, and I was so nervous about like demons, uh, that when I was like, we're talking 17, 18 uh, years old, my brother, Nathaniel, he did not like to walk past my like nook in you know, this bedroom space because I was so sensitive, I'd wake up and I'd, I'd call him Satan. I'd be like, Satan, get out of here. <laughs> and he would, like, that was very unnerving for my brother being called Satan. Uh, you can ask Monica if I still do that on occasion. This is a, a, an interesting topic, right? Because we, we read it and, and we think, well, is this real? Like, how's this going to affect me? <laughs> Am I going to see a demon? Can they, can they hurt me? Like, I believe in Jesus. Like, I, I don't want to be harmed by them. And I, and I have good news from our passage today. Like, there's kind of bad news. Is that demons are real. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But there's also good news. The good news is that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ, is much more powerful than demons. So let's look at the, the first point. The demons are real and they have real power. And, and I do want you to, to look down at, at your Bible that you've brought or you can open your phone. This is just my laziness because I didn't want to put the words on the screen. But really, it's part of a teaching tool. Like, we're going to look at our Bibles uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 30. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven away by the, driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name, Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. So here we see Jesus encountering a demon-possessed man. And we actually see a lot of demonic activity in the Gospels. It's quite astounding. It's, it's, it's pretty chilling. This isn't the first time in Jesus' ministry that he's encountered demons. If we look earlier in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus uh, is rejected at Nazareth, but then starting in verse 31 of chapter 4, he drives out an impure spirit. This is after he's left his hometown in the city of Capernaum. Earlier in chapter 4, does anyone remember what Jesus does? He encounters the, the boss demon. He encounters Satan himself and is tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And then as we go along through the chapters, we continue to encounter Jesus as, as he encounters demons. At the beginning of chapter uh, 8, uh, at the beginning of chapter 8, in verse 2, it says uh, that, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. So Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene, and we hear about her in chapter 8, and there are more stories than the ones we're talking about tonight. 
And yet, none of those demons are <laughs> quite like the one that we encounter this evening, or the, the ones. So we encounter a man named Legion, because he has so many demons. He doesn't have one, he doesn't have seven, he has a legion. Now, a legion in uh, the, kind of the Roman battalion, this military unit, is around 6,000 soldiers. Now, does that mean that that this man had 6,000 demons in him? Not necessarily, but it meant that he had a lot of demons in him. In the Gospel of Mark, it says that when the, the, the herd of pigs, a little bit later in the story, the herd of pigs, they go into uh, the lake. It's 2,000 pigs died. That is a lot of demons. This is a serious thing. See, demons are real. <laughs> they have real power. They're individual, distinct, spiritual beings that can do real things. And what do we see as we look at this man, this demon-possessed man? What have the demons done to him? Well, they've driven him out of his home. They've driven him away from the ones he loves. He's naked. (laughs) He's living in tombs. In Mark, it says that he would cut himself with stones and Gash himself. He's causing himself (laughs) self-harm. And and it's clear that this demonic presence in his life, it is ruling his life and it is destroying him. It's hurting him. I have a question for us. Do we believe that demons are real? The Bible teaches us, but do we really believe it? As Christians, we're supposed to believe it, but do some of us kind of think, oh, it's just, that's just like the, the boogeyman of Christianity. There needs to be a bad guy. Well, if we look at Ephesians 6.12, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, our, our battle as Christians I, I get caught up in this. I get, I get caught up with what I can see, right? I'm like, okay, we're just, just everything's about people and trying to get people in the right place and sing the wrong, right songs and say the right words and then things will happen. But actually, there's this greater spiritual reality that none of us can see, on, at least most of the time. That God sometimes gives us glimpses of, but it's what's really happening. And you can see this uh, in the town of Westford. There are not a lot of gospel preaching, like Jesus-focused churches in this town. (laughs) I think it's fair to say that we might be the only one. And this town does have uh, kind of an interest in the occult, interest in spiritual things, right? We... We have a lot of money, we have, uh, we have good lives. What do we do? We turn to spiritual things, we try to find spiritual fulfillment, but we're not looking for spiritual fulfillment in Jesus, so we're gonna look to other things. So if you look at like the, the Rodenbush Community Center's pamphlet, they talk about like find your spirit guide. You can take a class, or at least in the past, about finding your spirit guide. Uh, a beginner's guide to divination. Basic shamanic uh, healing and basic shamanic journey. These are dark things that you don't want to mess with. You can go to Target or you can go to Walmart and you can buy a Ouija board. 
If you ever find a Ouija board at a yard sale, please buy it and then take it and break it on your knee. (laughs) Because this is something that's evil. We we need to to, to recognize that our, our battle is against the evil one. It's not primarily against other people. That Satan and his demons are making war against God and the people of God. We are the people of God. Now, (laughs) we're going to do okay because we have the Holy Spirit in us. But I do believe that Satan can cause us problems. That he can cause us trouble. I wanted to go over the kind of the, the seven D's of the devil, some of the, the ways that he impacts us and harms us. And this was actually uh, from a, someone in our church who shared this with me when I was feeling discouraged. And she was like, well, remember, <laughs> we're in a spiritual battle. Some of these D's, so he, he causes us to doubt God's goodness. This is a way that Satan works against us. He deceives us when we don't believe the truth. He distorts the truth. So we, we think we're believing the right thing, but we're actually believing the wrong thing. He discourages us. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm very susceptible to that one. Number five, he distracts us. He, he divides us. He devours. These are the ways the, the devil can make an impact on our lives, really hurt us. And this is why we need to be like this man. <laughs> what does this man do? He, he runs to Jesus, and he falls at the feet of Jesus, and he shouts out, and like his prayers are, his, his words are mixed with the words of these demons, but he's, he's just coming to Jesus and falling at his feet and praying. <laughs> and I like that we spent a little bit more of a time just calling out some prayers tonight, Because if we ever want to hope of winning against the devil, (laughs) against demons, like I don't know about you, but there's nothing in this physical world that I can do to prevent demons. It just doesn't work that way. Like putting salt out or like, I don't know, any other little mechanisms that we come up with as a way to control spirits, they don't work. (laughs) Demons are spiritual. And that's why we need to ask a spiritual person the Holy Spirit, to come and and rescue us. And this leads me to my second point that we see in verses 31 through 33, that Jesus has divine power and authority over demons. And we see this in the Scripture. Let's look. Turn your heads to your Bible again. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. So what do we see here? We see Jesus having direct authority over these demons. Do these demons have the right to do anything No. When they've encountered Jesus, they go back and they shout out. I want to go back and look at uh, verse 28. They shout, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. 
Son of the Most High God. See, these demons recognize who Jesus is, that Jesus is divine, that Jesus is God. The Gospel of John, it opens by saying, Jesus is the Word. The Word was with God in the beginning. And all things were created through the Word. So that means everything was created through the Son of God. Everything was created through Jesus. Everything. Angels. Now, God didn't make demons. Demons are angels that chose to rebel against God and sin. But Jesus made those spirits. Jesus made those angels. So any, any presence, any demon or angel that we encounter in the scriptures or in our own lives, Jesus created that being. And who has more power, the, the, the being that created the other being or, or the created being? <laughs> well, it's the creator. The creator has power. Jesus has complete mastery over this demon. And we see this, and the demon has to ask for permission. <laughs> you, you ask for permission from authorities. Maybe it's like a local government. When we put up the, the signs around town, we had to ask the town of Westford for permission to put up our street signs. You ask them because they're over you. They're an authority. If you want to do something that your parents won't let you do, like take some extra dessert, you have to ask, right? they're an authority over you. Well, Jesus is an authority over these demons. And he does grant them authority, grants them permission. And this is actually pretty good news for us because some of us, like some of us probably don't think about demons all that often or spiritual warfare, but some of us are a little uh, susceptible to it, a little sensitive, right, to, the, to, to what's going on and and that's great. And I'm, I'm very grateful to the Lord when he opens my eyes or just helps me sense what's going on, but he doesn't all the time. And some of us, we, we sense it and we can get discouraged. And you're like, man, why is, why is there another like, presence in my life that's dark and that's evil? Well, actually, the Bible tells us why. Because Jesus let that demon in. <laughs> Jesus says, ultimate permission. And so when we encounter dark things in our lives, when we encounter demonic discouragement, when we encounter disunity of the evil one, we can take comfort in knowing that Jesus has given them permission to come into our lives to test us. The story of Job. If you read the story of Job, it's, it's all about how how he has been kind of put on trial. He's been accused by Satan, and he, he receives lots of uh, painful uh, events in his life, and he is, uh, kind of welts and sores on his body, and it's because of Satan. Why would Jesus ever let like a, a demon discourage us? Why would he ever do that? Well, it's so that we can humble ourselves. And go before Jesus and say, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't deal with this demon. Like, there's nothing in me that's powerful enough to deal with this demonic presence. I need you, Jesus. I need the Father. I need the Holy Spirit. See, the, God lets these things into our lives to drive us to him. Why would God ever let Satan bring and introduce disunity into a church so that we as a church body can fall on our knees 
and ask the Holy Spirit to, to bring supernatural, out of this world, godly unity. Unity focused on Jesus. Unity focused on Christ. See, God has a purpose. Now, maybe some of you are wondering as you read this passage, could this ever happen to me? Like, could a demon ever enter me and then I go and live in the tombs of Westford? Like, I, I really wouldn't want that to happen. Well, there's, there's good news. I want to I read this verse and you to think about it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Now, this is really good news if you're a Christian. So if you have confessed your sins and put your faith in Christ Jesus, God, God has given you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has entered into you and dwells within you. Now, do you think the Holy Spirit, do you think God would be interested in sharing a room with the devil? <laughs> like, do you think he's interested in being bunkmates with Satan? I don't think so. I, I don't think the Holy Spirit wants to share the same space. This is a holy ground. <laughs> this is a holy temple. And so, as Christians, we can be confident that we will never, ever be possessed. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't be oppressed. To be oppressed is to, to feel discouragement, to, to be attacked by those seven Ds, by disunity, perhaps even physically be harmed with Christ's permission, to, to be scared because you read, read a Frank Peretti book. Like Jesus allows these things, but, but you can't be possessed. And so this is really good news for us. But there's even greater news in this story that Jesus truly has defeated Satan. Jesus truly has defeated the devil and all of his followers. Jesus himself talks about this in his ministry in the Gospels. He talks about binding the strong man. Now I want to read a passage to you from Revelation chapter 20. Before I read this, Set it up a little bit uh, from our scripture passage. So the, the demons say, you know, we don't want to go into the abyss. Jesus, don't send us there. This is a, an awful place. We don't want to go there. And Jesus grants them permission to go into the pigs. They, they go into these pigs, and then they go into the lake. So what is the abyss? Well, some of you may remember in August I preached a sermon on hell, and I talked about Hades. Hades is a place that if you don't know Christ, you're locked up in. It's a place of suffering. It's a spiritually dark place, and that's where non-Christians wait before the final judgment, and then they're thrown into hell. So I actually don't believe uh, people go straight to hell. Now, I believe there is either the same or a similar place called the abyss where God can lock up demons. And I saw an angel, so this is Revelation 21 through 3. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the keys to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time time. Now, I know there's lots of different ways to understand the book of Revelation, to read scripture, but I actually understand this as already have happened. So that when Jesus came in the gospels, it, 
there's a couple stories where it talks about the strong man, or binding the strong man. It says if you want to take the strong man's possessions, you have to bind him. I believe Jesus actually bound the strong man, Satan. And so Satan's authority in this world has actually been lessened. And that's why we see the gospel going out to all parts of the world and millions of converts. I believe that Jesus bound Satan when he died and rose again at the cross. He has limited his authority. And there will be a period where he'll be set free, and we call that a tribulation of sorts. But I do believe he is bound. And see, these, these, these demons, they're saying, we don't want to go hang out with our boss. We don't want to go to the abyss. We don't want to be locked there. It's a place of suffering. And they know that Satan's not a great guy. <laughs> they don't want to hang out with him. So they say, can we go to the pigs instead? Jesus sends them to the pigs and they go into the lake. It's almost like Jesus is bargaining. Is Jesus really, does Jesus really have enough power and authority over these demons if he's bargaining with these demons? Well, actually, I think Jesus is reminding the demons, of their ultimate destination. See, there will be a great judgment. Satan will be released, but then he'll be thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Sure, Jesus doesn't send them to the abyss, but he reminds them, you're going to a far worse destination. You're going to the lake of fire. You're going to hell, Gehenna. That is your ultimate destination. This is really good news. Jesus has divine power and authority over demons. Jesus is greater than your demons, our demons. Jesus is greater than any demonic presence in the town of Westford, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, in New England, in this whole world. They are all going to be judged and sent to hell forever and ever. All this evil will be separated, will be torn out of this world. Uh, This is good news. I'm so excited about this. I think we should stop and sing a praise song. We're going to stop and sing a couple lines uh, from a praise song from a, a... a band from the 80s, I believe. Uh, why don't you go ahead and start it, uh, Anne? You go to the next slide. The devil, he's no friend of mine. Turn from him is what you can sing along. Just a liar and a thief, the word tells us so. We like to let him know where he can go. You gotta join in for this. To hell with the devil. To hell with the devil. Amen. (laughs) Satan is going to go to hell. We can rejoice over this. Demons are going to go to hell. This is uh, the band Striper. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Striper from the 80s. Hard rock Christian band. uh, The first one. Maybe the only one. (laughs) 
I really like them. So if your pastor likes them, it's okay. To hell with the devil. That's where he's going, and this is an encouragement to us. And we can add this to our list of worship songs for, for next week. So Jesus has divine power and authority over Satan, over demons. Now I have a question as we wrap up uh, this last little section. Do you want Jesus to drive out your demons? Let's look at this last little section together, verses 34 through 39, and let's see how people respond to Jesus' miracle. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the, the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell much, how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. So what do we see here? We see the townsfolk, we see the pig herders. They see this miracle, this amazing miracle and they, they go to the town, they tell everyone, but then they come back and they're just terrified. And they, they ask Jesus to leave. Why? <laughs> you, you've obviously encountered someone who's so powerful. And yet you want him to leave because you're afraid just because you don't understand? Maybe it's because he, he allowed these demons to go into your pigs and you lost all of those pigs. These are probably not Jewish people. These are probably Gentiles. They lost all of those pigs. See, it, there's a callousness that is revealed in the hearts of these people. They just want Jesus to go. There's a man who's been crazy and out of his mind and he's healed, and they just want Jesus out of there. And I think it's because, well, it cost them something. It cost them economic hardship. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we want Jesus and his presence to do to drive out the demonic presence in our life, it will cost us something. See, if we want Jesus to, to drive out the, the demonic presence of, of, of greed in our lives, and our hearts, and our society, what will that cost us? Do we really want that, or do we, do we like our greed? How about the, the demonic presence of lust, <laughs> Lust in what we fill our eyes and fill our hearts and fill our minds with. Do, do we like that or are we willing to let Jesus drive that out? How about just the, the demonic presence that we encounter all around us as, as we seek to please others instead of God? Like, that's of Satan. And this doesn't mean that there's a demon everywhere. <laughs> but Satan's presence is all around us. Do we want that presence to be pushed back? Because it'll cost us something. What in your life, what sin, what demonic presence do you mess around with because you like it? <laughs> You're not willing to let it go because, well, it makes you feel good. It's going to cost us something to have Jesus come into our life and push those things out. The cost is well worth it. 
because those things that we love that are, are of Satan, well, they actually bind us. Jesus wants to set us free just like he set this man free, and let's look at him. He's been set free, and he, he's just absolutely changed, absolutely transformed. He comes, and he falls at the feet of Jesus, and, he, and, he, and he's healed, and then he just stays at the feet of Jesus. He just wants to know Jesus. He wants to go with Jesus. Jesus, just let me go with you. He was in his right mind. He was clothed. This man is completely changed. Jesus also gives him a command that's a little bit hard. He says, well, now you can't come with me. You have to go home and you have to tell your home. Tell your family. Tell people about what I have done for you. Tell, tell them about what God has done for you. And he does. That's the kind of response I want to have. I want to, I want to be healed by Jesus. I want Jesus to root out my sins. I want him to root out your sins. And I want you to feel so liberated <laughs> that you share it with others. You're like, Jesus has driven out the demons in my life. I think it's really interesting at the, the very end in verse 39, Jesus says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. Notice the next line. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. <laughs> See, this man recognized that Jesus is God and that Jesus has the power to drive out his demons. Jesus has the power to drive out our demons. Now, if you're not a Christian, I don't know if this sermon has been very helpful for you or very, very hopeful. Because I am not finding my hope in anything that I can do being a good person, being a spiritual person. I can't drive out my own demons. Jesus can. That's part of the gospel. Part of the good news is that Jesus can deal with our darkness. And so if you don't know Jesus, if he's not your savior, if he's not your king, if you're not actively following him, I want to invite you to, to repent of this sin and, and come to the feet of Jesus just like this man and humble yourself and say, Jesus, change me. Change me from the inside out. Clothe me with your clothes. Make me whole. I, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll become the man or woman that you want me to become. That's the kind of response I want to have. And in this passage, as we look at this man's life, we are challenged to go out and share the gospel. The gospel is actually quite beautiful in this passage, kind of how it points back to Jesus. Because Jesus, if you look at his life, like it, it, this parallels his life so beautifully. <laughs> Jesus enters into the brokenness of this man at the end of his life. He is stripped of his clothing. He is tortured. He is rejected by, by angry crowds. He is sold for 30 shekels of silver. Money is more important to Judas than Jesus. And this man, he lived in a tomb. Well, Jesus, our king, he, he died and he was laid in a tomb. And just like this man rose again, Christ Jesus rises again. And that's the gospel message that if, if you and I put our faith in Christ, we too will rise again one day. See, Jesus encountered this man who was dirty and gross and possessed, and he set him free by taking his dirtiness, his grossness, his demons upon himself. And dying so that this man could be free. And that's, that message is still true tonight in 2018. 
Jesus can take your darkness and give you light. This is a good way to, to close to remember that. And our, our big idea that kind of wraps up this sermon is that Jesus is bigger than our demons <laughs> and to hell with the devil. This is good news. This is gospel news. You don't have to leave here tonight and be afraid to close your eyes and go to sleep because Jesus has dealt with our demons. The ultimate destination for the devil is hell. He is going there. This is worth celebrating. This is worth singing an 80s rock song about. Jesus is bigger than our demons to hell with the devil. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you did defeat Satan on the cross, that the, the war was lost. Their battles still continue, but the war was lost for Satan. It was won for you. Pray that you would drive out the darkness in our hearts. Any, any power that the evil one has uh, over us in our lives, uh, would you... Would you open his grasp on us so that we can be set free, so that we can be redeemed? I pray that as we leave here tonight, or as we stay in fellowship, that we just rejoice in what Christ has done for us. Thank you for this Bible passage. Thank you for worship. Thank you for the offering. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.